0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 252 of the In Squash podcast. I'm your host Jerry Gibson and today we have a young man 18 years old from the Detroit Michigan squash scene jackson bragman of the podcast the bragman breakdown and he's a young guy who has a real passion for the game a real um knowledge for the game and has grown up with the game basically um his podcast is fantastic take a look at it there have been quite a few excellent guests and episodes uh, on there most recently uh he had paul cole uh, in terms of squash anyways uh had paul cole on the pod uh something you really uh Uh, You want to look at if you enjoy your squash podcast. Uh, Well, he's here today to help me recap the TOC and talk uh, more in depth uh, also about the pro game and some of the hot button topics that uh, we've all been uh, talking about uh, of late. Uh, Just in terms of the TOC, uh, and we'll be getting into this, Jackson and I, uh, finals day for me was obviously a bit of an anticlimactic one, uh, I think for most of us. Um, But the tournament definitely had some big time highs regardless, uh, including the unbelievable squash display by the two eventual winners. Uh, Diego Elias and Noral uh winning their first and uh, fourth T.O.C. titles, respectively. Uh, Jackson and I get into all of that and more on the pod today, so I'll, I'll just sort of leave it at that. And before we get into it, uh, just a few words from our sponsor, Open Squash. Open Squash, the op- the New York-based nonprofit dedicated to bringing thousands of new people into the sport by making it more accessible and more affordable for everyone. They've brought on board several tremendous pros, uh, like former world number one, Ali Farag. We hope that he's getting well soon. Nathan Lake, Victor, and Gina Kennedy, uh, both of whom whom played extremely well in the TOC. They fell uh, a bit short, but nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, Well, open squash, uh, has their second NYC center, Open Squash uh, Phi Dye, it, which is now open for membership registration. Their irresistible offers will get you bouncing through the door to check out this new brand, brand new state of the art squash facility with eight new courts including a glass court for daily use, a squash centric gym and the full range of classes and clinics. You have to come to enjoy at Bryant that you've come to enjoy at Bryant Park. Open Squash Fi promises to be their next sold out squash center. Here's the deal. Sign up today. Confirm your membership with your first monthly payment. And the first 100 players to sign up get two months free or get one month free if you sign up for Fi before they open. So that's Open Squash. Uh, Check out the website opensquash.org if you're in the New York area and you want to look into the membership. It's all there for you now episode 252 with jackson bragman from the bragman breakdown we recap the toc mate it's about time we did this eh
1: i know i'm excited it's brilliant excited. yeah yeah me too you
0: yeah, got the jack uh the bragman report uh here on the podcast yes. today. uh fantastic to have you on finally and uh how's everything
1: going Everything is well by me. We have the Motor City Open coming up here in Detroit in under a week now. So I'm getting ready to watch some some great squash in person. And after a great TLC event, that is certainly a bucket list sporting event for me that I that I have to get out to at some point. I was at Grand Central Station over the summer um, visiting, making a college visit. And uh, it was, it, I just can only imagine the glass court and that venue must be unbelievable. But we saw some great squash this week, Jerry. It was awesome. So but I, I'm all, I'm all good. How are you?
0: Ah, oh, fantastic! Couldn't agree more. Uh, back in I think it was nineteen ninety six. That's when Jonathan Power won the the TOC, and that was a bit that was sort of put the TOC on the map. I think for for a lot of people because he came out of he was shot out of a cannon uh, at that point, and then uh, we saw him again this week uh, with his boy Diego uh, yep. hoisting the the hardware.
1: All comes full circle. Yeah, great to see. Uh, so where- That's one of the best tournaments the PSA has to offer for sure.
0: Oh, for sure. And uh, where are you based out of? Uh, yeah.
1: So uh, I am from one of the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan here in the U S. Okay. And so I train at the Birmingham athletic club with, uh, with Julian Wellings and John Geeky who are former pros on the PSA world tour Shahid Khan as well. And um, yeah, so it's, it's a great, great junior program here and uh, yeah, in terms of, midwest i think it's it's one of the stronger midwest squash programs so we're not quite as big as you know east coast per se in the u.s which is which is pretty crazy out in terms of new york and whatnot but uh it's it's a great little little circuit playing every year in detroit and in cincinnati and cleveland and ohio and then chicago and kind of those those midwestern cities There are always some good tournaments every year and um yeah I, you know i love it so
0: yeah, the Motor City opens really. Uh, it's made a name for itself over the last uh, several years, and some big, uh, big winners over the the past few years. So you must be excited for that. But before we get into all of that, just uh, for for the listeners, uh, I, I mean, I know you've got uh, the Bragman report, and I know you you play a bit of squash or have played uh, quite a bit. Uh, you grew up as a junior, I'm sure playing. Uh, so just if you don't mind, uh, giving a bit of a, a squash backstory. Uh, and that.
1: Um, yeah. Sure. I mean, and once again, growing up in the Midwest, it's a lot more odd for someone my age to be playing squash. And um, how did people always ask me, how did I get into squash? I'm the only um, competitive squash player in my school there. I mean, there are obviously a couple other juniors in the, in the area that I play with, but uh, by school, I've always been the only competitive squash player. And people ask me, how do you get into it? And really just my dad got me into it. He was a player. He was a very good player back in his day and um he got me into it he had me try all sorts of sports he loves tennis too he loves racket sports but I tried tennis squash basketball baseball all of it the whole nine yards and to be honest I think I was just the best at squash like from a young age I'm not a freakish athlete by any sense of the word I mean you know I think my sister and my my dad are, are naturally are much better athletes than I am but I kind of took a liking to squash more so than any of the other sports and I've been playing for 10 years now and I absolutely love it and I think it's just an incredible game, incredible workout. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I, I question if I've picked the wrong sport because I hate cardio. This is, I just, I, yeah. I when I, when I go to the gym, I am I'm, I'm more of a body weight lifting weights type of guy, but I got to bang out the cardio sometimes for, for the squash game. But, you know, so it, it really keeps you in shape, keeps you on your toes. And it's, it's a phenomenal game. And uh, in the last two and a half years of the Bregman breakdown, I've tried to explore uh, as much, squash as I can on the podcast and try to bring as much light to this game that I love so much. And, you know, obviously we talk a lot of basketball. We talk a lot of football on there being, you know, a Detroit kid, but you know, there's a whole lot of squash content on there. And I've, I've had the opportunity to interview some very cool people in the squash world I had Paul Cole on a few weeks ago. And um, I've had the interview, I had the opportunities to interview people like Gina Kennedy and, um, Patrick Rooney and Nathan Lake, who is coming to the MCO. I'm going to have him on a second time on the podcast in the coming weeks. So make sure to stay tuned for that. And I should have some, some big interviews coming up, um, this week with the Motor City Open happening. So, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to chat with a lot of very cool people in the squash world. And it's, this game has been great to me at only 18 years old. I've had, I've had a lot of great opportunities because of it.
0: Well, you're only 18, mate. That, that, that's uh, that's impressive. Uh, you've got your the the Bragman uh, breakdown. Uh, did I say Bragman report? Did I say that? Did
1: I say? Yeah, that? you're all good, Jerry. No, you're all good. The Bragman thought. breakdown. Well, I
0: caught it. I caught. I caught myself. You didn't yeah, have. To, there you go. Yeah, but no, it's the Bragman breakdown, and I like yes. it. It's got it's got quite a ring to it, and you've got you've got a great voice for it as well. For oh, that. thank
1: you, sir. Thank
0: you. Over tongue, as I think they might call it.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, but um, but yeah, the Paul Cole interview was great. Gina Kennedy. I just had uh, Nathan Lake on myself, and you're going to have a, As you know, you'll have a lot of fun with him. He's got that dry uh, sense of humor that a lot. He's of- brilliant.
1: He's I, he's. I mean, I I would say in terms of like who's my all-time favorite player on tour, it's Borja. Mm-hmm because I met him at the MCO like five years ago. And he was just, I, my dad is a doctor. My dad helped Borja who had a cut on his nose and he helped like kind of patch him up. So he wasn't bleeding on the court and he helped Borja get through the rest of his match. Borja lost, but he was so appreciative to my dad that he took the time the next day after he was out of the tournament to hit with me and to chat with me and my dad. And he was just so down to earth, such a great guy. And since then, Borja's always been my guy. But now that Borja's retired, Nathan is, is like... I can't express how great of a guy he is. So supportive. I'll post something on my Instagram on the Bragged Breakdown Instagram if we reach a new milestone, and he's always congratulating me. Always very supportive of of me and my podcast. And he was just so generous with his time last year when he came on the show. So I, I can't say enough great things about Nathan Lake.
0: Yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. And, and also, he's a, just a fantastic player. He's one. I think he's very sort of highly underrated. I mean, the, the absolutely, absolutely. Big and he moves so well. He's got soft hands. Um, you know hopefully things uh sort of go his way he gets caught a couple of bad breaks in a few tournaments a couple of unlucky uh bounces could could have gone his way and he could have uh he could see himself in in the same places like uh, a Bilal tamimi or or guys like that who have moved up yeah. more in the rankings but uh well the toc uh just ended and uh i i don't know i i mean it, it was a it was a great event but it was sort of anti uh Sort of the way it ended anticlimactic uh the, the ladies final um finished up with an injury uh noran finished uh she retired after the first game and then uh the uh i mean diego was just playing so well uh marwan really didn't have an answer for it but uh uh what was your take overall on, on the uh
1: on the toc yeah so starting on on the woman's side obviously we know and uh, we we were kind of messaging about this yesterday is it's it's so clear that we have this this big 3 now in in women's squash the same way that we had in men's, men's tennis for so many years with Federer and Nadal and Djokovic between obviously Gohar El Shabini, and El Hamami who's really proven herself hmm. over the last calendar year. And uh this was Shirbini's turn. Sherbini got her big tournament win. She hasn't had one at one of these majors in in a little while. And it's been it's been Gohar's turn. It's been Hamami's turn. And and Gohard or excuse me, and showed that she is right back in the mix of things. The six-time world champion is one of the greatest to ever do it. And she's been doing it since the juniors. I mean, she won uh the World Junior Championships, I believe, at, at thirteen years old, and uh, turned turn pro at fourteen, and she's always been on this incredible trajectory, and it's just been amazing to have the opportunity to watch her play. Um, so, I mean, she was unbelievable, especially in that Taib match. Taib is probably—I I don't think she's ranked number four right now, but she's, in my opinion, the fourth best player in the world, and she put up a big-time fight Got in the it. quarterfinals against Rabini. And that was that was a great match to watch. And uh, Jerry, as we say in America here, um, she, she, so when I watched Tyab play, <clears throat> I almost I feel like um, a term that I, that we use oftentimes to describe basketball players and football players is they have that dog in them. They have that okay. that extra that that X factor. They have that that extra drive, that extra motivation. And she, she being Tyab, to have the baby, to come back at her age, and to just have as much heart. And as much fire in her belly as she does is incredible to watch, and it was just an absolute pleasure. That was that was by far my favorite match on the woman's side of, of the week.
0: Oh, uh, the 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 tie up Gohar match. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Or,
1: oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Shabini? I, I meant I meant the the Tayeb Gohar match. I apologize. Yeah. yeah oh correct. yeah.
0: No, for sure. I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, and I couldn't agree more with your assessment uh, uh, of Tayeb. I mean, uh, she's right. She's just a little bit behind the big three, but. I think she's separated herself from the other girls that are coming up uh, that are challenging. I think she's,
1: she's got to step on the Sobies and the Gina Kennedys of the world as of right now. But I, you know, I, if, if you told me Gina Kennedy is going to be top three in the world in two years, I wouldn't be surprised. But as of right now, I think she's a little bit ahead.
0: Absolutely. But yeah, she, she put up a great fight against Gohar. And then uh, obviously we had the final, uh, uh, the way it ended, but, but let, let's talk, uh, if you don't mind, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, the men's final. So, uh, of course, um, um, with Diego. Anyways, uh, PJ, Mar- P- PJ had Marwan as the favorite heading into into the final, which I thought was a bit crazy, a bit ambitious. Marwan played brilliantly though, all the way through uh, uh, to the final.
1: Didn't drop a game, yeah.
0: He's yeah. I, I didn't drop a game, uh, but his, obviously his road wasn't as difficult as it, as it was supposed to be. Uh, I think you know, obviously with the with the, the beast uh, going out to the cannonball uh, and uh, Asal uh, losing uh, losing out to to Karin there earlier. So just in terms of uh, Marwan's performance overall, uh, what what was your take on that?
1: Marwan's a pleasure to watch play. I think in in the sense of like his squash IQ and his play his actual play sometimes i don't like the antics of marwan i can't i can't lie and tell you that he's my favorite player um from a personality standpoint but he is a pleasure to watch play because he's a little bit different him and ali are a little bit different they fray a little bit from the rest of the egyptians they're a lot more tactical i feel like not that a Mohamed El is, is not that he's not a phenomenal tactician, but I feel like Marwan isn't blasting the ball the same way that a Mohamed El baggie is that he is a lot more tactical. He likes to volley the ball a lot more and he likes to use height on the front wall. And he's just, is, I feel like he's just such a smart player that the game yeah. has to offer. And it really is enjoyable to watch him play. And he was in rare form this week. He absolutely killed it and three out everyone on his way to the finals. And none of the, matches were particularly close there were no 11 nine 12 10 11 8s it was it was all pretty convincing wins over Mueller and um, and Rodriguez and and uh you know he he just looked really solid all week and uh, obviously I I i thought Diego was going to beat him in three in the finals yeah. I, I was not surprised one bit because Diego's form was incredibly high I actually thought I if Diego beat call in three I would not have been surprised in the semifinals that's I mean Diego just was from the opening I, I watched that um that match against Mohamed El-Sherbidi, who's a really good player. Yeah. And yeah. Diego is, I mean, his form was just so high. The quality was so high. His movement is as good as anyone's on, as, as good as anyone on tour at this point. And we'll, we'll get to Diego in a second. So I don't, I don't, right. I don't, I don't want to get too not far not ahead of myself, sure. but yeah, but you know, yeah. So, I mean, with Diego, I, that's my big takeaway from the week. I want to talk about Miguel as well. That's, that's my other big takeaway, but in terms of my, my two biggest takeaways of the week, Diego I feel like, and I love Nick Matthew, one of my all time favorites. I the ceiling for Diego Elias is, I think, a a taller, better Nick Matthew. The mm-hmm. way that he he loves to take the ball out of the air, he moves so so fluidly. He is not. He used to be very slap. Ha- he, his fitness is a year or two ago is not nearly where it is now. Now he is a year or two ago, he would have lost that match to call in three or four games in the semifinals. But now he has built up that fitness and he has the confidence himself to rally with call and to rally down the backhand side. And for for a while, call is the most fit guy on tour. Now Diego can match him and Diego is hitting higher quality shots more consistently. And that is what allowed Diego to get on front and put pressure on call and that's what allowed him to win. I mean, I don't think there are any. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of chinks in his armor right now. He's just playing at such a phenomenal level. That final against Marwan was. I, I was talking to my to my coach Julian yesterday. He said that's the best squash he's ever seen any. You know that he's seen anyone play in years. I mean, he, it's it was just an unbelievable performance. And yeah, I think that like the, I watch him and it's like. He's two a two inches taller. Like Nick Matthew, just loves to volley, and he's just so. It's night and day the player that he was two years ago and the player that he was now. I always liked him, and I always thought he had a lot of potential. But I, I would I would be surprised two years ago to see what he's turned into because the development is is night and day. The patience, the maturity level, I think has all been incredible. And I, you know, obviously you have to credit Jonathan Power for a lot of that.
0: Mm. Uh Whale El-Hindi as well, because I, I think course, course. probably Wh- whales uh got him, I think he's the reason why he's so fit and strong. And I think, uh, you know, like you just said, um, what he brought to the table this week, I, I didn't really see it coming. Uh, what I saw was, like you said, he's got so much talent. He can do anything with the ball. He moves like no one else on, on the tour in terms of you know he's so graceful around the court. He volley. He does everything well. But what he didn't do well it was more like a he sort of break down physically sometimes, and then he'd also break down mentally when things got a bit tough. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that really sort of... shooting
1: you, at the end of games too early in the rally, and there there was none of that this week. Yeah,
0: none of that this week, and uh, I think it bodes well going forward. Uh, now again, uh, he didn't have to deal with uh, sort of. I mean, he and he and Paul are good friends, and. The matches prior to that weren't as uh you know they're fairly straightforward when he gets in there with um with a Sol that'll be uh and, and others like 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 a uh maybe maybe sure baggy um it'll be a different story but against a guy like Paul Cole who you know he's so strong so physically strong uh if he can match him physically then his squash is just gonna take over
1: uh, I I cannot agree more and I think <laughs> I if if Mohammed or if Mustafa Sal did not exist, if there's no Mustafa Sal on the PSA World Tour right now, um, I would have no reservations have in saying, <laughs> I yeah, right. And, but I mean, regardless, I mean, if Diego, I would have no reservations if if Assal was not on the tour i would have absolutely no reservations about saying that Diego's going to be the world number 1 a calendar year from now i'd have no reservations about it with Assal we don't know he still Diego still could be cuz we Asal yeah. is such a wild card but i mean he the talent that he displays and he's also you know 6 7 years younger than Diego is so i think that's worth noting I think Diego's yeah. 26 i believe Assal's 20 or 21 at this point so
0: but look at the um, way they look at the way they play i mean Diego plays and moves so well, so gracefully. It's effort. It's sort of uh, effortless the way he gets. he's like sort of like a Jan Shirkan almost in a way, the way he moves around the court. Absolutely. And he was a lot heavier on his feet a couple of years ago.
1: It's really, the turnaround is really impressive.
0: Well, absolutely. But uh, Assault is just so explosive. So I think that's going to take, obviously it's taken a bit of a toll on him already. It's take, will take a toll on his body unless he sort of changes things up with his movement. Uh, a bit,
1: but yeah, I couldn't agree. And more. it can be done, Jerry. Because what yeah. one thing I will say about that is you know, who mo- used to move a lot like Mustafa Sal a few years ago was Paul Call. Yeah. And what raised Paul Call's level is the efficient movement that he has worked on with Rabo and being able to glide around the court a lot more gracefully. So we've seen it been be done, and we've seen it raise a guy's level from Call who's not necessarily a top 10 player at that time to now a guy that has reached the summit and has, has been a world number one player. So it, it certainly is in, in the cards for Asal, but that's, that's a very good point.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's going it to just depends on uh, who Asal, uh brings into his corner. He's going to have to have someone sort of uh, change that part of his game. He, he has to be willing to change it himself. But having said that, I mean, there's no one on tour. I don't think ever who moves the way he moves it causes a lot of people a lot of problems because he's just so he, he gets to everything.
1: Yeah. And, and, and he's just a, a big starky guy too. So <laughs> it's not, it's not only that he's like, it's not like he's, you know, Miguel is five, seven yeah. Sal is six foot tall. And he's a massive individual. Like he's just an incredible athlete. So it's a lot harder to navigate that um, compared to a Miguel or a Paul call. Because just of his, he's the sheer size of the guy. I mean, it's so, it's, it's absolutely has caused a lot of people a lot of issues. And that's where you get into controversies with the blocking and this, then the other thing. And part of it is absolutely justified, but part of it is just, I mean, I don't know if he could really do a whole lot about it. I think it's just is what it is. So I I think that there, there are definitely two sides to it.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that uh, in a bit, but uh, just to get back to the final uh, uh, and just in terms of Marwan, I mean, like we said, he he didn't drop a game all the way to the final, but he seems to almost from the get go of that of that match, he was going in on, on the officials and it was almost like
1: he sort of. I yeah, banging his racket against the glass.
0: Yeah, gets in his head. That he can't win the match or he he. You know, he's got that built-in excuse before the match even starts. Yeah,
1: he was a little bit out of it.
0: One of the, I mean, I've had him on my podcast a couple of times and he's really great to talk to and he's down to earth and he's a nice guy. And uh, But it's something that surprises me because he has, you know, one of the greatest uh, in the game, both as a player and he's one of the great coaches out there, Rodney Martin. So I'm not sure what uh, Rodney has done in terms of the mental side of things, but uh, that that seems to let him down, doesn't it?
1: No, that's a very good point. And, and friend of the program friend of the Bregman breakdown, Mike Riley, who ha- has come on the show before was officiating that, that final from the TOC. And I, I talked to him last year and he had just a very interesting perspective about, um, about players arguing calls and whatnot and um, players arguing this is a makeup call. This is not. And it's like, Mike Rowley does not care who wins. Mike Rowley is just there to get to, to do his job. And he's, I, you know, he takes it very seriously. He's, he's there like closing his eyes, visualizing before the matches, like he, the amount of preparation that goes into it for these referees is unbelievable. And been, I wish you know, more people he's a appreciate North
0: American him. officiating legend. I mean, he's,
1: he's the number, I think he's, he's the guy from the U S he's, uh, he's the the only, I think like world's certified uh, official from, from North America. I mean, he's the guy. So it's like, I mean, clearly knows what he's doing has been doing it for years. And uh, no, I mean, it was, it was just uh, a little unfortunate to see. And that's, that's where Marwan frustrates me a lot of time from the personal standpoint is I I don't like to see that. I don't like to see, you know, guys like Lakey don't, you know guys like Lakey get upset at the refs but they move on they don't bang their racket against the glass and it's like they're classy about it and uh, you know i don't have an issue with a guy like a Saul saying you know you know with his celebrations or whatever but i just I, I the issue is when you're being disrespectful that's that's what i have a problem with and you know but yeah. so i think and i think that and it not only was wrong of marwan to do but it, it let him down. It, it, it affected his play and that, that, that can't happen. And we kind of seen a shift like this used to happen to Diego a lot. We know oh, yeah. it's no secret and, in the squash sorry world. Sorry
0: to interrupt you there, but yeah, that, no, please. Used happen, that, that used to happen to Diego a lot. Uh, yeah. And recently too. I mean, that, that whole thing where he came off the court against us uh, all. Um, was it the U S open or uh, not, yes, correct. I forget. I forget which event it was, but it was recent one. It yeah.
1: wasn't the U S open final, wasn't it? Or, or am I thinking of the wrong, the wrong tournament?
0: Yeah, well, he came came off the court, and uh, I think he had, you know, I, I think he was right in in terms of you know the call being wrong. But it's uh, not, you know, at the end of the day, you got to get back on court and play the match and focus.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I mean, speaking of Diego, it is no secret in the squash worlds that I'm not breaking news when I say that Diego Elias has a history of being a little bit of a partier, That he is not, you know, that he has, um, you know, not always taken the most serious care of his body and his squash in the past. And that's why this week impressed me so much, because everything I've heard from various people is that he has taken it really seriously now. And he is recognizing that he can be truly, if, if he really commits to this, he's still only 26 years old. He can be one of the greatest of all time. He has the potential, like he can, he can do this and he's really taking this seriously. He has really matured a lot. And I've been very impressed by him.
0: Yeah, he's taken a page out of his, uh, out of JP's book there, I think, because, uh, you know, I yeah. used to party with JP and, uh, he was, he was, he was a madman.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But yeah, even like during COVID, I, I would remember they would have like, they would always have these fun practice matches and it was just fun. Like, he's a funny guy. Like, he's a character, is yeah. Diego. They would, then I think Jonathan Power would live stream there. They would have practice matches, um, against yeah, each other. That
0: was the, uh, Super Squash Saturdays this uh, year. Yeah. Which hard. was brilliant and oh, it was exactly. great and,
1: and Diego is such a character. He's such a funny guy. I think he's 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 a little bit like he can come across a little bit quiet, but if you you know, I, I think overall he's 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 definitely quite a character and he's he's a guy that I'm hoping to to chat with this week. I know he's going to be in Detroit, so that would that would be something. Well, you would,
0: get him would on be the happy. podcast. I would,
1: I would hope so. I'd I'd I, I hopefully I can pull a few strings, but yeah. So I mean, um, yeah, but he's he's just that's the story of the week for me. But I mean, can we talk about Miguel for like five minutes? Like, I mean, just that's, his well, that, his that's run next on
0: my list here. Yeah. Uh, 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 right in front of me, it says one of the big time highlights of the event was the Colombian Cannonball's performance. Uh, he beat, I mean, obviously beat uh, beat uh, the beast and uh, uh, maybe the most talented racket player uh, with, with the racket on the tour, Emes and Hisham. I mean, he's absolutely incredible to yeah. watch. But uh, for the, uh, to me, he's got, he's right up there in terms of racket skills. He he can do anything. With the ball, uh
1: I mean. Oh, absolutely!
0: But his movement—I mean, that—that's—that's that's just silly what he can do in terms of movement. But we, yeah, had-
1: I think, um, I think desuki can get there eventually. Like, I think he has the potential to to be that. But desuki like, I, if you watch that match against Call, yeah. I mean, just brutal with the errors. Just unbelievable how many unforced beat errors he made. And so it's like, beat himself every time. yeah so that's that's the big issue but i mean when it's great i think joey said this on the on the broadcast is when it's good it's really good and when it's bad it's really bad so he i think it's worth yeah. acknowledging but mazen uh, is is obviously phenomenal with the racket in his hands as well but yeah but the but
0: the can i'm saying the cannonballs racket skills are are right up there i mean what what he
1: can do with the i ball- mean yeah man no absolutely and he gets at 37 years old moving point, the way he does ball.
0: yeah yeah yeah, give what's your take on the on the Cannonball's performance
1: this week? Um, Yeah, I mean, so uh, Chris Gordon said this in his in his win over Sherbaggy at one point, and he said he said this is when Rodriguez can be very dangerous when he goes into this quasi exhibition mode, and I thought that was such a great quote <laughs> because it's like he's just playing so freely out there, and it's so incredible to watch, and it's all there's disco time, and it's like it's just it's just always. Uh, it's always a joy like the behind the back stuff the diving all around the court the movement that you might think is a little bit inefficient at times but it works for him and he's just so fit so fast and as his over time his racket skills have gotten better, uh, you know, uh, in in his later in his later years on tour, which is which is quite quite rare to see. So I mean, he's playing the best squash of his life right now, thirty-seven years old. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, I, I was just I, I watched it about a hundred times the other day, and I've seen it obviously before, but it was the I think it might have been the British Open or around that time that that when he won it, um, he was playing uh, Sharbagi Mohammed. El Shibaghi. and it was the you probably saw the rally where he had Sherbagi on the string, and and the uh, Mohammed had hit a ball into the front of the court, and and uh, the cannonball kind of walked up to it, and you couldn't really see what where his racket was, and I don't oh think yeah. Had, yeah yeah yeah, he kind of just flicked it to the back of the court and turned around and walked backwards, and Shabagi <laughs> had no idea where the ball was, nor did anyone on in the club <laughs> in the gallery. He just. I mean, there's no one, no one's played that shot. I mean, maybe James, you know, James Willstrup with the windmill uh, shot that that's comparable, but uh, that has to be one of the greatest uh, shots uh, I've ever seen. Like, the, is that the
1: one in that? And then Sherbaggy hit the back wall, boast, and Rodriguez yeah. went in for the volley drop. That that's, that's just, yeah, yeah, that's just unbelievable quality. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, well, totally
0: it's, it's movement combined with racket. I mean, no one could, you wouldn't be able to do that unless you moved like
1: him no of course i mean yeah that's that's what makes him so special and he's he's a legend of the game i don't care if he never gets to world number one it's like the the joy that i've had watching rodriguez on tours is something that you can't take away and he's he's a legend of the game regardless of of how he finishes career and he has that british open title forever so
0: yeah absolutely uh, yeah whenever he if he's playing you you want to be there to watch it uh, that's for sure that is absolutely uh, now I don't want to spend too much time on us all because I've been beating this, you know, talking about this all the time, but uh, you know, he was, he was supposed to be the man of the hour uh, heading into the TOC. He He yeah. recently, uh, number one, uh, but strangely he quit after the first game against Victor, uh, Victor Clance and he cited a, a, it. Was it a cold or the flu? And he played well against Rooney, uh, hit him with the ball, which was kind of odd because uh, he was nowhere near him, but um <laughs> Uh, he's never, uh, he never ever had much trouble with Victor previously, but as you know, I mean, you know, Victor pretty well. I'm sure I've seen him play a few times. Uh, he's, I have, he said,
1: he's been on the show. So yeah, I, um, yeah. Victor's a great guy as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was always going to test, uh, us all anyway. So, um, talking about us all sort of like opening, a, opening a huge uh, can of worms. So what's your take, uh, just generally, uh, on us all, you kind of talked about it a bit earlier, but, uh. How do you feel about sort of what happened there at this event? I think a lot, what he was saying in his tweet, I think, was that it almost sounded like he didn't want to play. It almost sounded because his father wasn't there and all this stuff, all these rumors about him being banned again and all this stuff. It almost sounded like he just threw in the towel. That's kind of what I got from it.
1: I am so glad that we have Mustafa on the PSA World Tour because he is bringing a new flavor of ice cream That we have yet to see to the ice cream parlor and it is wonderful to see the celebrations um i'm not sure if you saw him at the gritty um after his big houston open win jerry but this the the, it was a very poor gritty the gritty is a is a typically a football celebration here in america a lot of the a lot of um it's become quite a popular dance and Mustafa Assal tried to emulate it. Not not a good grade, but he tried. He tried. And the celebrations, the arrogance, the swagger. It is it's just it's great for the game. Mm-hmm. I don't and it's great because it's so polarizing. Some people hate it, some people love it, but very few people don't have an opinion on Mustafa Sall. And I don't love him, he's not my favorite player, but I'm so glad that we have an Assal on tour right now. To your point, in that match against Victor Qua. I mean, he goes off, he comes off in the middle of the game for an injury timeout. He's using like the massage gun and he's like trying to stretch things out. And then he cites that he had a cold and that that, that's why he couldn't play. So it's like, it's just very bizarre. I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to jump to conclusions, but I think that, you know, the listeners can probably um, gather their own thoughts about what, what happened. And I, you know, I, I just think that um, it's, it's great to have him. And it's great to have a guy that people will either love or hate. And you see on Jamie Maddox on squash stories is, is there to defend him at, at, uh, at all times. And then you have (laughs) um, people that are very much against what the the Egyptian brings to the table. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's great to have a polarizing figure like that in the game.
0: I don't think we've ever had in squash,
1: anyone like this in the game
0: uh, ever. Yeah. And, and you
1: found him on the podcast, Jerry. What What are your thoughts on right now, on a, I'll, I'll, as a character? I mean, uh,
0: as a person to talk to, and uh, he's such an affable guy, such a likable guy. He's willing to, you know, say what he thinks. I can't, you know, how can you not like that, like him? I, I mean, he's such a he seems like such a nice guy. But then, you know, you obviously you are not on court with him. So if you are on court with him and competing against him over all these years, you are privy to the other uh, other aspects of it. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I like him, uh, super nice guy. He, he tweets at me or messages me a lot. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's going through a tough time. And I think that has, has a lot to do with it. With his, you know, his dad, I think he's very close with him. And he just got banned, uh, I think, probably for good reason, for having uh, taken it out on the, the main sponsor of the PSA tour. But, uh, yeah. It's an, it's an interesting time and,
1: uh, like very said, much so very yeah. much so
0: uh, I, I couldn't agree more with, with the analogy though, the, the, the flavor that we've, we really haven't had in the ice cream store is, has arrived.
1: No, totally. I mean, it's yeah. To have, to have a guy that polarizing, I think is it's great for the game. And it's like, it's what squash needs more of. It's what I've been saying for years that the PSA tries, but probably doesn't try hard enough um in terms of their player marketing and their player marketability and trying to showcase who these guys are because why are the nba and the nfl and why are these leagues so popular and why do why do i love nba basketball so much it's it's not because it's partially because i enjoy watching these players play but it's also because i know the players that i'm watching play and i know their personalities and i know what they like and i know what they dislike and if i identify with a player and I relate to a player, then I'm a lot more likely to root for them. And a lot, I'm a lot more likely to watch their games. Or if there's a player that I really don't like, I'm probably more likely to watch their games too, because I'm rooting against them. And it's, it's I think a, something that squash needs more of is more of those kind of silly videos with, you know, more of those trivia videos, more of those like questions videos, more interviews, like the ones that you and I are doing to allow squash fans to get to know the players that we're watching on squash tv every week
0: yeah absolutely i mean the squash mad's doing a great job as well i mean they're 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 putting out some yeah material out there that's kind of what you would expect from a, like a, a sports publication who writes you know um sort of uh subjectively right uh the, right opinions on, on things when they put it out there and um but just to your point i mean um the la- uh, jonathan power the peter nickel jonathan power era i mean that, that was another period where it was sort of, a, you, you had one camp, you had the power camp, you had the, uh, the nickel camp, and power just brought this uh, thing to squash that no one had ever seen before, right? He was just, he was shouting at the officials, he, what he wore, his clothes, uh, his personality, it was completely uh, uh, different than anything that had been seen on squash court, and uh, I guess we're seeing that uh, again here with us all to a certain degree.
1: No, totally. I mean, yeah, it's it's something that is very important is relatability and getting to know these players beyond just the on-court level. And when we when we see a solid celebrations, it takes us out of this mode of watching these players play and they're very robotic with their emotions. So it is good. You don't have to like it, but it is it is a good thing objectively for the sport.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Uh, I'm sure some uh, listeners might not, but <laughs> agree yeah, with us I there. But uh, anyways, yeah, couldn't agree more. Now, just uh, I'd, I'd like to ask you uh, about the about the American side of things on, on the PSA tour. The ladies sure. uh, uh, are, are doing really well, but they did come up a bit short uh, at the TOC. Uh, Olivia Feichter, Feichter uh, had a tough draw, drawing Gohar in the first round. Sabrina. Uh, i thought you know i thought her ma- i thought she had a shot against uh Taya, but uh, uh against Nora, but uh, you know she went down three love to her and then amanda didn't quite uh didn't quite have it to pull off the sherbini upset but uh what's your take on, on the uh the american ladies uh you know overall and their performance this week
1: well the american ladies are killing it obviously way ahead of the men, not to disparage anything. I think the men have a lot of young up and coming guys that are coming up. I've, I've had the interview or the opportunities to interview Shajahan Khan to interview Timmy Brownell and Spencer, Spencer Lovejoy. And they're all a pleasure to talk to. And I, I think that they're all, especially Brownell, not, not to um, I think the, the other two are phenomenal. I think Brownell has a lot of untapped potential that he, and he's working his butt off at our own inspector center in Philadelphia right now. And we, we can get to the men in a moment, but I um, I've talked to those guys and they're all phenomenal, but on the woman's side, they're obviously killing it. They're, they're playing a very high level. I, I think that, um, you know, so you have Sobey and Feichter, both in the top 10 and then, you know, Olivia Blatchford Klein. And then, you know, even, you know, Haley Mendez, and I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of key names, but it's like that they're, they're fifth, second
0: they're, in the world teams as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, they yeah, absolutely. Right, right behind the the Egyptians. They're not far off. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a changing of the guard in the coming years, There's a lot of upcoming talent in the U S right now. Hmm. And, um, I know England too is very is very big on on women squash right now. They've got they've got a lot of talent coming up. So I'm I'm not sure how much longer Egypt is going to to reign supreme over the, the PSA World Tour. But for now, they will, and that's fine. And uh, you know, it's there's there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, but I think the the US women are, are doing a phenomenal job. Obviously,
0: yeah, they uh, you know I I did have. I sort of thought that Amanda might be able to pull off uh, an upset there against Sherbini and she, she did win the third, I think she, she won the third game. Uh, and it, it looked like she, she might get her teeth in, but uh, Sherbini was just, she was just playing so well this uh, past week. She kind of warmed to the task, didn't she? From the beginning of the week, she kind of started slow and then, Finished uh, very strong, but uh, yeah, it's
1: a tough draw to have, to have Sobi in the quarterfinals and Hamami in the in, in the semis, and then Gohar in the finals. That's a that's a tough draw. So she she handled it well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, and one thing I wanted to mention about uh, just going back to Assault just quickly, uh, sure. Uh, Hanya el Hamami is uh, I wouldn't say she's the Mustafa Asal of the women's tour, but she brings something different as well. I mean she she's definitely she's this feisty, fiery talented uh young lady who every time she plays she she you know something special is going to
1: happen. Uh, Absolutely. She's she's a yeah. joy to watch play. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you've had the opportunity to talk to her Jerry but I did I did listen to her on the Rally Report podcast a couple months ago with uh with Sean Troy who does a great job. Yeah. And she's just a great interview. She's just a really she's just a really fun character as well and uh, yeah it's it's great to to see to see more up and coming uh, young talent on the, on the women's side of the game. Absolutely.
0: Oh, absolutely, and and how about the men? I know uh, you you mentioned all the names: Timmy Brown, Al Spencer, Lovejoy, Shahjahan Khan. Uh, obviously, you got out.
1: Herity in there too. I mean, it was, was playing right. at a high level.
0: But uh, yeah, those guys are just they i think as a group, um, I don't—I don't think the U.S. has had that many guys on the cusp uh, all at once.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's—I think that. To have a a men's player and to to have a men's and a women's player in the world top 10 at the same time, I think would be huge for growth of squash in the US because obviously it's nowhere near as big right now in, in the US as it is in Egypt or as it is in England even. But I think that would be absolutely huge for the growth of the game squash is growing in the u.s i mean we we see it like you know on the east coast it's already big but now we see it progressing to the west coast has, has gotten a lot big even down down south in texas they're they're starting to develop um a bit of a, a squash brand and you know here in the midwest so i think it's um it's certainly good to see and I mean, is Timmy Brownell going to be that guy to be world top 10? I don't know. He might be a little, just a, a tad too old at this juncture to, to make that job. Obviously he's still very young, but for, you know, he's, it's not like he's 21 years old and he's like, and he's ranked where he is right now. But I, i at the beginning of the season, I actually had Sean Choi on my podcast to do um, my top five, biggest ranking risers on the PSA world tour this season, the, the top five players that I thought would, would make the biggest leaps. And I might've been a little bit biased, but I had Timmy number one, because I think he's just such a phenomenal player. I think he could absolutely be a top 20 guy in the world. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's just, it's so fine. And right now it's like when he, when he has no chance against those, those top, top guys, because the consistency isn't quite there from a quality standpoint, but he shows flashes some, times that are unbelievable Mm -hmm. and i believe he had he had that um at the u.s open or excuse me not the u.s open at the um the uh tournament in san francisco the something bay why can't i think of the name of the the san francisco tournament that they have every year the big gold event um but he had a a, is that it yeah the net suite yes exactly and he had a couple years ago like a big time showing against kareem abdel gawad and he he lost down in a close two out of three gamer and it was like, but he, that was right when I, he first caught my attention. And since then, he's really been playing at a very high level. And I, I expect big things yeah. from him. He and the other breaks, guys. Doesn't he? Uh, because,
0: uh, I think it was last year he, he got through the qualifying of the TOC. He won that. He, beat yeah, he the, won the, quali- the qualifying
1: satellite tournament, which gave him a spot in the actual tournament. And then he beat um, uh, he beats uh, Kareem Ahamami in the, yeah, um, the first in, round. in the first round, who was top 30 in the world at the time.
0: Yeah, so it just goes to show, I mean, all, I think guys like that, uh, they just need that break. Like Ali Abu, he got the break. He's he's getting into the main draws of these events and winning a lot of his first-round yeah. matches.
1: Speaking of what, she was also on my list, by the way, of of players at the beginning of the season that, I, that I had as ranking risers. Yeah, yeah. Ali Abu, Alina, um, who, who was coming to Detroit, by the way. So I'm looking forward to seeing him for the first time in person. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah. I just had, actually just had Timmy and Ali on uh, on here. So uh, I
1: did see that, yeah.
0: Yeah they were, they were both great and they both both really like you say rising uh, rising stars. Speaking of rising stars uh Jackson how about those Detroit
1: Lions? How about those Detroit Lions? Yeah yeah I good mean, close to the you
0: know, season. I talk about on the podcast a lot but I know you do uh you you talk a bit of football basketball you must Yes. Be
1: very So uh, I would say that in, 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 as, yeah aside from squash basketball is probably my favorite sport to watch but I do still love football and the Lions are my favorite sports team unquestionably. They like, even, even though I might, I might enjoy basketball overall more. I just love the Lions so much. And, yeah, no, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. It was great, great close to the season started out one in, with a one in six record and finished <laughs> nine and eight. And yeah, exactly. So nothing, <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary. We we're expecting another kind of wimpy finish to the season. And then they were right on the cusp of making the postseason this year. And I think they were actually a little bit better than a few of the teams that ended up making it in. So yeah. they have um, because of a trade, they made two seasons ago they have the Rams draft pick this year, which is a very high draft pick. So they're going to get, they're going to have oh. two first round draft picks this year. So they're going to have an op- opportunity to make a splash in the off season and maybe make a run at the playoffs next year. So I'm, I'm very optimistic about the lions, but what I put a good snipe you, by you, Jerry
0: was a uh, Jared Goff, right? Is he the, the Jared
1: Goff is the yeah. starting quarterback. had a great season. I think a lot of people expected Jared Goff to kind of come in and be the transitional quarterback to mm-hmm. kind of be, to kind of be the bridge guy until the Lions drafted a new young quarterback, but Jared Goff killed it this season. He was really good. He won the, um, he won player of the week. Uh, he won an offensive player of the week on, on a few different occasions and was like just really good. So I, I think the lines are second guessing. Like, are we really going to move on from this guy? He, he was really good this year. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very, definitely the lines have a lot of options, which is, which is always a good thing. So I very promising future.
0: it's Campbell, right? Uh, I forget Dan his name.
1: Campbell. Yeah. Who's, Campbell, who's yeah, quite he's the, the who's quite the character. Yeah, he's he's quite the character, former former football player himself. He actually played for the Lions previously and uh, he drinks drinks two um Venti uh, co- coffees every morning and is just like a big ball of energy and it's just he's just a great leader for this team. Very much a player's coach, which has been which has been fun to watch.
0: That's brilliant. Well, I hope they go well because they, they've they had some terrible seasons over the this last, is true. This last is true. few years. But this year, uh, they were an exciting team to watch. Uh, so what's coming up on uh, the Bragman uh, breakdown? What's coming up? What's in the hopper, as they say?
1: Yeah, I mean, I am very optimistic and hopeful. As I mentioned, I've, I've, I only have one interview scheduled as of recording this um, ahead of the MCO. And that's that's with Lakey, who's going to be coming on the show on Tuesday and that's probably going to be uploaded, you know, a week or two from now. My up- upload day is Monday. So, I'm going to um hopefully get as many interviews with like as I can and kind of um upload them, upload a new interview every week um that I that I've recorded this week and that'll be in addition to the usual uh, basketball football squash content and you know if if you're in a pop culture as well we do movie reviews so i'm trying to get into yeah. that realm a little bit as well and so yeah i mean it's the bragging breakdown has has a little something for everyone so um, what's, what's i would hope that you guys will well, check it out the last movie we reviewed that's a good question we re- reviewed the um i i've not seen the whale yet have you seen the whale no no yeah I, I don't think I have a whole lot of interest in seeing the whale I don't no, think I I'm going to
0: never a big Brendan Fraser fan but uh, apparently I really? think all the no, he
1: I mean he definitely killed it I mean he's he yeah. seems to be the front runner for the Oscar the last movie we, re, we reviewed was the um the new knives out movie the glass onion movie that came out on Netflix okay. with uh, with Daniel Craig that was that was quite good not as good as the original but I I I, I definitely enjoyed it so that, that was our last one and um I think my my buddy Hayden and I who, who he does the movie reviews with me we're going to do a little project and we're going to watch watch all of the films that were nominated for best picture this year and we're going to do a podcast about that i i did um i did have a chance to go see everything everywhere all at once last night in the theaters which was great (laughs) and so yeah so that that was one that i checked off the list so so hopefully that'll that'll be coming up soon so yeah movies sports um a lot of shooting the breeze and it's it's always a good time on the and breakdown but yeah i really appreciate you having me on jerry and giving me this platform and i'd love to have you on uh whenever whenever you want you're always
0: ready to go man any anytime uh we can talk uh motor city open i'll watch the matches and uh we can do a little recap.
1: Right on. That sounds great.
0: Yeah, but uh, really appreciate you, uh Jackson, and uh, all the best with uh, with the Bragman uh breakdown. I almost said report again. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know. That. I'm getting old.
1: That still has a ring to it too. I think. I think both are both are you good. Know,
0: Bragman it's... breakdown. That, that that I love it. I love Thank it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I like the ring to it. All the best, mate, and thanks so much.
1: Thanks, man. Have a good one.
0: Well, many thanks for Jackson uh, to Jackson for joining us today. A real breath of fresh air. And uh, we get a glimpse into perhaps the mind of a, of a young squash enthusiast who's been removed from how many of us who grew up with squash establishment uh, points of view on the game. Uh, again, check out his pod, The Bragman Breakdown, not The Bragman Report, as I said, I think two or three times at least on the the pod. Uh, And coming up, uh, we've got a really, uh, really interesting one with RJ Mitchell of Squash Mad. Uh, He's coming up this week, and uh, they've had some great timely pieces on the game of late. So I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing what he has to say on several uh, different things, including an interview he recently did with Jan Cherkan on the pro game today. So that should be really exciting, and we're going to flesh that and uh, that one out amongst other topics, uh, other stories that they've put out recently uh so that's uh, coming up uh this week so everybody uh take care uh, enjoy your squash um i'm going to be playing i think twice this week i've been doing a little bit of training and uh Getting uh, getting some feedback, some some messages from Joel uh, Macon, who's been giving me some advice on uh, on agility training and uh, how to step my game up in the gym, and that that's been exciting. He's been really really uh, really helpful and and uh, he's been helping motivate me a, a little bit. Whenever I'm in there, I shoot him a, a quick message, and he's quick to respond and uh, and pump me up. So that's uh, hopefully bodes well for uh, my squash game uh, going forward. I hope for you guys too. Keep up the great squash. All the best everybody. Uh, Again, stay tuned for IJ Mitchell coming up at the end of the week. Goodbye now.